It's tip-off time. The line, the jam! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. Welcome into Fast Break, the podcast edition. It's Chris Black and Jonathan Hood recapping the NBA season, the NBA Finals. Golden State wins another championship. They're fourth in eight years. They are now four and two in the NBA Finals. Stephen Curry is now a four-time NBA champ. So is Draymond Green and Klay Thompson. In game six, the Warriors came back in the first quarter. They win the game 103 to 90 held control for the final three quarters, and they win the championship last night. Jonathan, we're here to talk about it. What a game last night. It really was a terrific game for the Golden State Warriors, and hats off to them for winning the championship. And I'll be start this way. Let me throw you a curveball. Mm -hmm. Chris Black, what happened to home court advantage in the playoffs? What happened to that? There's a lot of noisy buildings that you and I both enjoy in the league. I mean, like real fan support. Memphis comes to mind for that. Golden State, when it's hot, obviously, it's a you know great crowds. But whatever happened to, hey, we're at home. Hey, we'll get calls. And we have the advantage of being able to play better. And the crowd will raise us up. And we can be able to win games. In this playoffs, there's a lot of things to define the playoffs that we've seen. But one of them for this season has been in the playoffs losing at home we saw a lot of that didn't we not we did I know that your um your question is kind of angled as a bigger picture item but my my quick response to you would be what happened to it it would be the Golden State Warriors happened to it this Mm -hmm. dynasty happened to it because I believe the stat is this group has won a road playoff game in each and every series that they've played uh, so, and I believe that's the longest streak in NBA history. Uh, so, like, to, th- I think the answer, the root of that answer is the cool, calm, um, confident nature of Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson is, is what has killed that because they roll into places, no matter where it is, Oklahoma City, uh, Miami, or not, not Miami, uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, against uh, this Boston team here in the finals. Uh, We've seen multiple different situations. Houston, when they were rolling with uh, Harden and CP3, they've won a a road playoff game in each and every series that they play because of how good they are. And I think it's a testament to how great this team has been over the last eight years. And then, Jonathan, bigger picture, I would say, you know what's interesting is it felt like there were more daunting home court advantages in the past. Mm-hmm. I feel like Boston had their had their crap together. I, I feel like Boston, the fans brought it. And in game, uh, the first game in Boston, they certainly imposed their will. And, and it felt like the crowd and the fouls on the opponent gave that edge to the bench players that you were, you were kind of mentioning. You know, a bench player usually at home gets a little extra juice. Sure. And, and they play a little bit better and they feed off the crowd. I feel like initially here in this series that the Boston fans did it, but outside of Boston in the Eastern Conference, I can't I can't name a dominant home crowd advantage that we've seen here in the last couple of seasons. Boston, no offense to those like the Travis Wackers of the world, I don't think that's some imposing force. Mm-hmm. Um, the the crowd in Boston, I mean in Milwaukee, and and in the the Western Conference, like. Dallas has some good crowds, but I don't feel like that was something that was too daunting. The the, the one that I would point to would be Memphis, mm-hmm. the grindhouse. Uh, right. they, they bring it. But outside of that, Denver's not an imposing place. Uh, Phoenix was pretty good last year on their finals run, but... You know, it, it didn't really matter this year. You're right. There, there seem to be a lot of teams winning road playoff games. I just, I just think it's interesting where it's gotten to the point where, you know, if you have your best players and they are executing, it doesn't matter if it's at home, the road, or some neutral site. I mean, it just seems like the the home crowd in Boston uh, was negligible in this uh, in this particular series. Golden State is battle-tested, and I know they're veterans, but I just found it interesting that for those that thought that Boston could win, and I, I had the Warriors winning this in six games. I'm not mm-hmm. surprised of what happened last night, but just, you know, you've got Sully, and you've got Mikey, and you've got, you know, 
you know, all the guys from the bar in Boston ye- you know, yelling and screaming, trying to get their Celtics to go, and it just it just wasn't happening. And I, this is why we give Golden State all the love today, and especially with Steph Curry. The question I had, Chris, I was telling David Kaplan this on Cap and J Hood. I said, you know, the MVP award in the finals will not solidify Steph Curry, but it is the cherry on the Sunday, right? It just, when you look at all the accomplishments, if he's able to be MVP in the finals, that that will be it. Like he's done everything possible. That's possible. He shoots the ball from the moon. He is a great player and he's part of a legacy with this Golden State Warriors team. But I, I just am just really uh, in awe of the way the Warriors are able to keep this together. Usually in a situation like this, it is finger-pointing, like Draymond Green is mad at Steph, or Steph is jealous of Clay, or you know um, Bob Myers has had enough of Steve Kerr, and there's infighting there. But this has been a smooth ship. Even with Durant, they were able to overcome anything. And so I think, unlike the Bulls and their whole issues where I'm leaving after the sixth championship, I can't stand Jerry Krause, or I'm tired of this management with the Lakers and Kobe and all that, the Warriors have kept it afloat. And I'm really, I admire what they've been able to do so far. I'm going to give the credit to ownership. Joe Lacob, uh, Peter Gruber. And then uh, Bob Myers, the the general manager of the team, because they they've taken care of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were you were uh, laying out there the the Bulls' dysfunction as they they ran for the the second three peat, but a lot of that has to do with the ownership and the general manager not taking care of those who got them there beforehand, right? Like, what was a lot of the back and forth with that that uh, final uh, last dance group? It was Scotty needing better contract. And I get it. We we don't need to go into the whole thing that Reinsdorf told him not to sign the contract. He signed the contract, but then it was immediately a terrible contract. That that whole stuff, like he needed he needed new paper, right? Right, right, right. And so he was upset because he wasn't getting paid what other stars in the NBA at the time were getting paid. Uh, and he was, you know, for a moment there, especially when Jordan stepped away, you could argue he was one of the three best players in the league. It was him, Patrick Ewing, young Shaq, you know, uh, Akeem Olajuwon and, and like maybe Penny Hardaway, like that was kind of like the group, you know, Grant Hill, young Grant Hill. So, okay. So there's that Jordan, his situation, like he was taken care of, but then it was like a laborious, uh, negotiation to get all the other pieces around him. You know, like Bob Myers paid Steph clay and Draymond and he went out and they, they traded, uh, Russell for Wiggins and Wiggins is was paid with a big contract and like they they took care of everybody I I don't like I feel as if it's you know I, I was watching all the postgame stuff last night because like one of my favorite things about being an NBA fan is like the NBA finals end and the NBA TV coverage picks up when the the national broadcast coverage ends yes and they they carry everything Yes. But, like, I feel like Super Bowl Sunday, you get, like, the 30 minutes after, and then it goes into, like, talking head shows. And, <laughs> and you then, don't it really... the, and then it goes to the equalizer on CBS. Yeah, and, and right you afterwards. don't... <laughs> yeah, and then if you go to NFL Network, you don't get quite the same, um, like, setting where guys are just lingering on the set and just talking. Right. And and Bob Myers was was on the set, and Joe Lacob, were, they were on the set and, and talking about giving this group another chance. They weren't going to break up this group because they thought they had to project something out. They thought that the three guys, Clay, Steph, and Draymond, were worthy of allowing them to lose at some point. So the motto wasn't, okay, we need to make these moves to to get a different star or flip Draymond for this or Clay's been injured. We got to find someone for his role. The Bob Meyer said we we owed it to them to allow them to play this out, and they were rewarded by it. and yeah. And I think that's novel. And Lacob kept talking about how he has the longest tenured coach in the league now, uh, next to Pop. He has the longest tenured uh, GM next to like very few franchises. He's got a star in Curry who's played for one team. He's got two other guys who's only played for that, you know, Draymond and Clay have only played for the Warriors, and that there's something to 
stability and and continuity and and keeping these guys together. I I, I think it's a novel uh, idea and it, it's cool that they were able to do it. And I think this is totally unexpected. I I don't think if we sat here at the All Star break, I don't think we would have picked Golden State to win the championship. No. And and we were doing shows at that time, and I I know that they were always there. And we thought that they could contend, but I, I didn't think that they would be a team that could actually get it done. Well, even though we were talking about Golden State, we were talking about it in the framework of, well, what can Wiseman bring to the table? Sure. Because we weren't talking about Poole and those, with those flowery adjectives as we do now as a guy that really helped this Golden State Warriors team win a championship. I mean, it, we can talk all about Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green, but it was the others that led them, that pushed them to be able to be in this position now because it was not necessarily about those big three, but as much as it is about you know other players oh, that could yeah. be able to step up the Moody's, uh, the Looney's, Peyton, the Gar- second Gary guys Payton, like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Gary Payton and Jordan Poole, uh, their contributions, and and like if you think back to games one and two of the finals. And Wiggins. Jordan Poole was unplayable in games mm-hmm. one and two. He found a way to not be a complete disaster on defense and to, to score some points and to settle down. Like that was the problem in the first two games. He was wild. You know, the, the scene seemed way, the stage seemed way too big for Jordan Poole. But by the time he got to game four, it seemed like it started to settle down for him. And he was so dangerous. And Gary Payton, the second, I mean, he, he allowed Golden State to, to like save minutes. Mm -hmm. And he allowed them to go to lineups where it was him and Looney on the floor together, but with Steph and, and, uh, pool and maybe like an Iguodala or a Bielitsa earlier in the series uh, or an Otto Porter and to get Draymond off the court and to get Clay off the court, he allowed them to still play decent defense and and give others a breather. And I think that's what's important too is that like we, we can talk for an hour about Curry and, and Clay. But really, championship teams are, are champions because of the little role pieces that all come together for the greater pe- greater whole, you know? Yeah, no question. Uh, the, the veterans that's on that team, whether it's Andre Godala or even Otto Porter Jr. And by the way, I open the, crack the studio door and see if you can hear Sylvie saying, because Otto Porter won, does it feel like your championship too because he's a former bull? Um, but it, it's guys like... <laughs> Hold on, hold on. I'll, do you want me to bring up the uh, the air feed? I'm not listening to it. Let's see what. Let's. You want me? I'm gonna I'm gonna pot it up and I'm gonna click click it on and uh-huh. let's see what we get. Ready? All right. Here we go. Two. I got a quote cake for the well, kids. No. And like, now I, you're singing it, Happy Birthday no, to it, her. It was mag. Okay, that's enough. Um, but um, so Otto <laughs> Porter Jr. <laughs> cake for the kids, Waddle. Otto Porter Jr. Uh, uh, oh, is, like we're not going to bend over backwards here. All right, enough. I, okay, thanks, Miller. I, I so I just think that some of those pieces, um, Chris, have really helped the Golden State Warriors. And here's here's the other thing too. It's like you know some teams are afraid to tinker, right? They say, well, we have our core of Curry Thompson and Draymond Green, right? And some would be saying, oh well. You know, if you bring Jordan Poole in, he'll think it's his team. Or, you know, Wiggins coming in from Minnesota, you know, we, he's got to conform to the way we do things. And, you know, if we have, if we give these kids like a Moody or Peyton the second or some of these other players the opportunity, they might mess up chemistry because that's such a buzzword in what we do. The chemistry. Will they mess up the chem? You know what? It, it, it works well. I mentioned like a fine oiled machine, Chris. I mean, yeah. that, that's what I like. And so here's what's scary. Steph Curry in this group, more than, you know, whether Draymond's around or not, but I know that Steph is going to win another championship. I believe Clay will as well, because here comes a healthy, you know, Wiseman, here comes Kaminga, here comes Bielitsa, uh, Moses Moody. They can run this back. I don't know about this, you know, next year for 2023, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's going to be a fifth championship here for Steph and Clay, if nothing else. Yeah, you know, um, age-wise, I think Steph's playing the best basketball that he's playing mentally. You know, he was a better player physically a couple of years ago when he was winning back-to-back MVPs and he was leading the league in scoring. Mm -hmm. But I think what we saw here in the finals is that 
his ability to to outsmart a defense and then also he still has the skill set to get it done that he he is going to um he's going to age fine even though he's 34 right now i'd say with clay i think the more he plays the better he'll get here i i think this year at at times it was rough for him because he's still getting back into that uh everyday grind shape um but you know as someone Someone uh, pointed out on Twitch earlier today, like, how could you say the Warriors are going to be better? Clay didn't look good here in the finals. Mm. And I looked up the, the the numbers. He averaged the most points per game in a final series that he has in his career here in the playoffs. In the last three games, he was outstanding defensively. See, I don't know. I thought Clay had a hell of a series. It was fine. It, you know, he had a hell of a series. But you see what happens with that? That conjecture comes when Steph is hitting all these shots. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. looking like Steph, and it's like, well, Clay's not doing as much. Well, Clay doesn't have to he did do enough. a ton. He did because, enough. Because Steph's getting it done. And it, and it inspired Draymond Green. My God, you trying wow. to turn the clock back. He was now, everywhere last I mean, night. Well, that's a guy that wasn't just trying to foul out to foul out uh, and just talking crap. The guy actually, he looked like vintage Draymond, yeah. in which when Draymond was really good on a regular basis you saw hey, you saw the games like i saw the games dude would would run the break pass the ball side to side he'd go to the basket kick it out he'd always know where the open man was because he was an awesome passer and then getting it done and being you know mucking it up on the defensive end as well that was like a turn the clock back draymond green game in which he could smell the blood in the water like okay we beat these guys and win the championship so let me put my best foot forward he played 40 plus minutes and played excellent basketball yeah. and helped the warriors win 12 points 12 rebounds 8 assists uh he he hit those two three point shots which then proved to the to the Celtics like you can't just leave him even though He's not, you know, and the guys joked about it on on the broadcast, Van Gundy and Jackson. Like, you can't say a guy's on a, on a roll or a heater when he hits his first three of the entire finals. But, like, the, the, <laughs> I, I guess my, my takeaway when I saw him hit that bucket and he looked at the other guys and he, he, like, flashed the three side, it was like, you know, those three took that punch early and they didn't they didn't change the way they played at all. You know, like Boston came out exactly how I thought they would, on fire, and the crowd was in it. And and it seemed like initially Golden State was just picking up fouls. And the, the first five minutes of the game, ticky-tack fouls all over the place on Golden State. And I thought to myself, okay, here we go. It's going to be one of those games where the better team is actually the team that's being penalized con- consist- consistently based on the fouls and the just the momentum of the game, the crowd and the whole thing, and the refs are going to uh, kind of dictate the how this is going to go. And then like midway through the fourth, uh, first quarter, they, they just kept chipping away, playing their, their offense, and their defense was so good. And they just shut down Boston in the first quarter. They outscored them 27-22, and it was like, Okay, and the, you you saw it when they were walking back to the bench, the the quiet confidence of Curry mm-hmm. and Clay. It was like, oh crap! You're like Boston's in for one tonight because like this team figured them out, and they know that offensively, even though Boston claims to be the best defense in the league, they can't stop them. Like that was the oh shit moment. Like like there's no way that you can get around that. Do you think that Steve Kerr winning those many championships? Without, they're in a commercial break. Do you think that that's like a championship for us last night? Right? That guy's a Hall of Famer. He walks right into the Hall of Fame as, um, as a head coach. And he, he's one of these guys, Chris, that if he's walking along the street and falls into a manhole, he gets out of the manhole, dusts himself off, checks his pockets, and he's got three Rolexes in them. <laughs> And That's a crisp one hundred dollar bill. Yes, and a crisp. Yeah, yeah, right. He, he he's he is the most fortunate man in the NBA. Honest to God, and and that's not a, when I say that. That's not a knock at him. What I'm saying is, is that Steve Kerr has found himself in his career being in the right places: San Antonio, Chicago, front office for Phoenix. You know, being with the Golden State Warriors, he's found a way to be able to be in the right spots. You know, if we turn the clock back. When there was two jobs open, he had a choice to either go with Golden State to be their head coach or the Knicks. Yeah. He chose the right spot, didn't he? Oh, yeah. He absolutely did. And that points back to to ownership, right? 
Yeah. I mean, James Dolan has done nothing with the New York Knicks. And, you know, Joe Lacob had a uh, philosophy, a vision, and they spend a lot of money. They spend. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's that's what is important to all of this when you look at this Golden State team. Obviously, it's Steph Curry, um, the collection of players, but the way the organization is ran, a lot of people mocked Lakob a few years ago when he was out there saying, well, we're going to run this organization light years ahead of the rest of the NBA. And that was like, you know, they have a podcast out there in the Bay making fun of, you know, the the name of it, right? It's the light year podcast or something like, like people poke fun at the concept, but it's true. They are light years ahead of everyone else in the league. Mm-hmm. They, they have the best stadium as far as new stadiums in the league. Uh, they make the most money. They win the most games. They have the best coach. They have a great front office. They have stars who want to be there. It, it really is an operation that's better than the rest. And, and like that's where you look at ownership, and that's the level you look at when you question, why is my favorite team not winning on that level? Right? Like, that's what it comes down to. It's a commitment. Well, all you said was correct. And unfortunately, Kevin Durant doesn't agree. I mean, shout out to KD because I know he's listening to the podcast. You chose to leave Golden State and you chose Kyrie Irving and then James Harden over the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Congratulations to you, sir. I mean, great business savvy. I mean, they didn't teach you that at the boardroom, huh? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, how, how about the championships? And so the other side of this is Boston, because you were alluding to the, to the Celtics. Yeah. And I'm not going to make any excuses for them, Chris, but I will just say that you could see uh, physically they ran out of gas. And mentally they ran out of gas. And, and what it is, is is that as much as we admire Tatum and Brown growing up before our very eyes, taking steps, it's just that you could just see that there's a difference between the young will of Brown and Tatum and Marcus Smart and a veteran team like the Golden State Warriors where, you know, you could see that Thompson and Curry and Draymond can find their second and third wind and the Celtics just don't have that. Mm-hmm. But I just mentioned to you at the top, you're at home. You got Tommy Boy and Sully yelling and trying to get you going in the game at the Garden. It just wasn't happening. Anytime that Al Horford, who's 100 years old, is getting you back in the game while getting you the key block, the key rebound. He's the only one that showed heart at the the, end of that game. The the 19 points. He was trying to rally you, and Tatum is turning the ball over like a Pez dispenser. And Brown's out there, you know, 34 points, that's cool, in you know, a seven rebounds. But the point is, though, Chris, you could see it, right? You could see that the Celtics, you know, they just ran out of gas. Now, to give them their full credit, you and I on Fast Break talked about the Celtics, um, you know, before the first of the year and said, what is this outfit? Brad Stevens in the front office. He's never done that before. Adoka is the head coach. Is this team going to transition? Because we didn't know if Tatum and Brown could be able to coexist. And they turned around with defense. And so hats off to them. They went through every roadblock to win the East. But when they took on a real team, a veteran championship team like Golden State, they just ran out of gas. I'm just sitting here laughing to myself because uh, what was the narrative after game three? The Celtics were then up two games to one, Mm -hmm. and every person was saying, look how physical, look how much bigger, look how much more athletic the Boston Celtics are. The Warriors are in trouble. And I would just point back to pace and the ability to run. And... It may not seem like it's devastating in the moment early in a series, but the fact that Steph and Clay and Poole never stop moving offensively mm-hmm. wears you down. And I don't think there's a – I think that is a part of the mix to why this team has been so great for so long is the conditioning and their ability on offense to always be moving. And, and you notice, too, on defense – what they do with the, and you and I have talked about this before. Teams usually find a way to hide their their best player so they don't have to work as hard defensively, uh, so they can kind of rest when they're on defense. Uh, the Mavs do it with Luca, and the Warriors were doing it with Steph. Where many possessions, wherever Steph was, 
they switched so Steph was like basically around the elbow yeah. defensively and not really running around the court. And then he would just switch and stay in one spot. And whoever came to him, like Al Horford, he would stay there and he would hold his own. And maybe it's a mismatch, but but more importantly, he wasn't running. You know what I'm saying? Like like they they were so smart in the ability to self preserve his legs and his minutes for the offensive end because it just breaks the defenses back. I mean, I don't know. You and I question Marcus Smart being named the defensive player of the year. Sure. I thought he was terrible in this series. I I find him to be absolutely annoying to watch as a player because all he does all he does is bitch and complain. Uh, he's flopping around like he's a fish out of water. <laughs> play some de- If you're the defensive player of the year, you should stand tall and play defense. You shouldn't be flapping back every single time you get touched. I don't know. I find him very irritating to watch. I would also say uh, it's interesting that after one game or two games of a series, people want to n- anoint someone as something when clearly Jason Tatum is not a superstar. Uh, and that's why there needs to be pushback when people throw things out like so-and-so is a superstar. You, you need someone to say, is he really? Because he had one game that was pretty good in the conference finals. He's now a superstar. Last night, 13 points, five turnovers, three rebounds in 40 minutes in a closeout game at home in the finals for Jason Tatum. That, to me, is not a superstar. You went six of 18. You went one of four from the from the three-point line, and you shot no free throws. I would say my takeaway from this series with Boston is that J- Jason uh, or Jalen Brown is the best player on that team. That's fair to say. Yeah. I think he gave a great effort defensively. He attacked the rim. He made big shots. In game six, he had 34 points. He had the seven rebounds. I think he's their best player. I, I just think that they're – Everyone's so quick to anoint every player who's in the like, top 30 as a superstar. You're not a superstar. You know who's a superstar? The guy on the other side who's burying three-point shots and then telling you all to go to sleep, Boston. That's a superstar. <laughs> um, and I would say, like, it, I just felt like Boston thought they were so tough. Big bad guy on the block <laughs> when the series started. Right. And by the time we got to game four, five, and six... They wilted, and I thought last night was just a pathetic outing by the Celtics. No fight at all. You came out, and you're right, Jonathan. Sully and uh, and Portnoy, and 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 those they led the way at the start. They led the way at the start, and the the bench players weren't there. Uh, who who's a tough tough guy? Uh, Fifteen minutes for Grant Williams. Yeah, a minus eighteen in the box score and uh, three points. Congrats to him, Derek White. I was told at the start of the series this guy was was the next big thing. Yeah, uh, sixteen points. Two, he had uh, two points in sixteen minutes. I'm uh, Peyton Pritchard. What like is there a jitter, a more jittery player on the court when Pritchard's out there? Like he just can't can't keep it settled. Uh, he could he couldn't hit a three in an open gym. Uh, I mean last night. Not not to turn this into a full roast of the Celtics, but I just think that uh, that's embarrassing the way this series kind of played out, and wow. it, it just proved to how good Golden State is. And also, Tatum's not ready, man. He's just not there yet. Simmons report here: uh, heartbreak in Boston as the uh, Celtics lose to the Warriors. I mean, I can't help. I can't hit. I can't hit, hate him. I mean, I think Clay's great. Steph's great. Rasil's going to be here. House is going to be here. But first, a little p- Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, Rosillo, here we go. Celtics, they lose. And, uh, boy, it just sucked. I-, I talked to my dad, and he said it sucked. And House thinks it sucks. So, Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> No, like, oh wait, am I am I wrong with this assessment of Tatum? Tatum no. is Tatum is really good when it's easy. Yeah, but you know what though? Here's how you can define a player, and and people were sneaking Tatum into the top ten, and I had no problem with that. That's fine, but now you have to take a look at him outside of it and say. If you get to the playoffs again, what are you going to do? Now, again, it's his first real taste of it, Chris. It's only fair. His first taste of being in the finals, and he fell short in a big way. 
lot of those guys in the Celtics did. But just so you know, there's so many that looked at the Celtics and thought Tatum and Brown could be able to take this step and get past the champs. And it just didn't happen. I understand the the roster makeup and the roster breakdown that you just gave us is accurate, every bit of it. But I, I find it fascinating that when I hear, you know, Simmons, Rosillo, House, all these and these other guys talking about the Celtics, just like, you know, watch out for White, you know, he's a, a menace and he's going to be able to hit a lot of shots. Well, there was some good games for White in the playoffs. But all it comes down to is that when you're in this space in the in the finals, you have to be able to make some noise, and they did not. And same thing, you mentioned Pritchard. Same thing, Williams. Same thing. You just you got three points for him in 16 minutes, and then the big guy with the, with the uh, bad knees with Robert Williams, yeah, you know what, gave you five block shots. He had some energy. But as far as offense, there's nothing, nothing that you can rely on. It's a lot of times it's felt like it was four on five mm-hmm. in the favor of Golden State. So, you know, this and with this whole conversation about the Celtics, this makes me believe, Chris, that like I don't expect them to be here in June next year. I don't. No, neither do I. I I agree with you on this. I, I feel like this is one of those things where people look at two young uh, star players and say, oh, they'll be back. I don't know about that. I, I think the rest of the Eastern Conference is, is pretty good. I, I would assume Philly will be better. Brooklyn, who knows? But uh, with Milwaukee being what they've been in the last couple of years, I, I wouldn't guarantee that the Celtics get back to the finals. How about this? Middleton healthy, we see Milwaukee in this spot. And yeah. maybe Milwaukee yeah. losing against Golden State. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. Milwaukee probably would put up a better fight. Yeah. Milwaukee would probably beat Golden State. I, You know, there was some kind of thoughts of Milwaukee watching Boston even get to this point in the finals because I kept talking about how confounding Milwaukee was. Like, dude, just just move forward. Just beat teams uh, convincingly. It just seemed like it was a struggle for Milwaukee at times and finally they were able to break through and win in the finals and win the championship. Well, But with Boston... It just seemed like Adoka would just had that whip and just trying to get these guys to be like, look, man, everyone's got their run, but why do we so, why do we play from behind so often? How come we just can't get our mojo? The reason why they couldn't get their momentum, Chris, is because it's a young team, and they're just not used to this stratosphere. They just weren't, and they, and, and Steph and Clay and Draymond were. Yeah, and they turned the basketball over a lot. I oh, mean, game, game six, they turned it over twenty two times. The Warriors yeah. fifteen. And then in Game 5, uh, the Celtics turned it over 18 times. The Warriors, 6. Now, if there's one thing to point to with Golden State as a flaw is they turned the basketball over a lot, except when it mattered, they took care of the ball. And that's the, why they're champions. The three ball masks a lot of mistakes. Yes, it, it certainly does. But like the at the rate that Jason Tatum was turning the basketball over in, in this series was just... He just wasn't taking care of it. He wasn't getting good possessions. And I don't know. I To me, he is a star when it's easy. When it is very easy for him and they're up big, he can he can do the sidestep three-point shot and, and, and point to the crowd and say, yeah, here's a three. We're up 13. But when, when things weren't going well in this series, he, he was not playing well at all. God, it just it was a struggle for them. Yeah. So it was just a struggle, a slog for the Celtics team to even get to this, to take on Golden State. And, and, and then the way that they played, you could just tell that they were, they were done. I mean, to get past the Heat, let's go back to that Heat series. Again, very difficult, right? Just being able to survive in seven games against them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I just, you know, I'd say, so if I gave you Boston or the uh, Boston or Bust in the East, if I gave you Boston or the field, you'd I, say. I'd take the field. So you think Milwaukee will get back up there? Yeah, Milwaukee. Uh, I, I'm not into doubting Joel Embiid. I think he is he is an incredible talent. So I think that uh, I think Philly will f- figure something out. I don't I don't really trust Harden, but I do trust Embiid. Uh, so there, right there, are two other teams I'd feel comfortable with. So Embiid's playing for who next season? Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. You sure? Yeah, right now. You sure? Could change. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the NBA. Chicago? Whichever, no. Can we get what, No, whichever way the wind blows. I'll give him Booch. You, you sure that Embiid's going to be with Philly this offseason? I think so. Okay. I think so right now. Because can I just tell you that 
as even though I do like some of the parts around Philly, I just don't like Harden. That's washed, by the way. That's over. That that the Harden that we knew, yeah, that's that's done. That something that happened whole style. There. That's not. You, I don't care if it's Doc Rivers or Mike D'Antoni or Doctor Jack Ramsey on the sidelines. That's not. That dog don't hunt anymore. That style doesn't work anymore, and um, he gets tired, and he's just not as effective as he once was. And I think, and I think I told you this last year too. Uh, I guess I told you when I saw that Harden and Embiid were going to be teammates. I told you I said I think Embiid's going to get tired of Harden quickly because if you remember in the postseason, um, after they were eliminated, what did Embiid say? That that's not the Harden that they thought they were getting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean openly, just back like back to back oh. years, trashing his uh, his best teammate, okay, or best pl- best talent who is a teammate. Maybe that makes Embiid a bad guy, but at least he's honest. I think he's calling it like it is. <laughs> you know, I I'd say yeah. you know the Eastern Conference. Like, okay, so here here's um to to kind of point us towards towards the Bulls quickly. He, here was the topic I had. Uh, I think two nights ago on Black and Abdallah. Mm-hmm. With what we saw from Andrew Wig- Wiggins in this series, does Zach Levine have that in him to take his game to the next level? And I'm not saying scoring points per game, and I'm not sk- saying being a number one star on a team. What I'm, what I'm looking at is Wiggins could score uh, with the Timberwolves, uh, he was usually the best athlete on the court. He was number one pick, uh, hyped to be the guy. But here with Golden State, he plays incredible defense in the finals, the most important series of, of the season. He rebounds the basketball to make a complete difference in the flip this series because once he started rebounding the basketball the way he did in the last three games, it kind of it, it diminished that bigger, more athletic, uh, tougher Celtic team that we were told about in the first three games of the series. And he did all the dirty, dirty work things to add up to winning. Does Zach Levine have that in him to be that type of guy? Because, because my, my point on Black and Abdal was not uh, to make it open-ended and say, well, you answer the question because we don't know. Right. My, my point was that if we would have had this conversation before this year, we would have all said that Wiggins didn't have that either. Well, correct. So, so if, if we didn't think Wiggins had that in him, should we maybe view Zach and say he can do all the athletic stuff, he can score the basketball, and maybe if he got to that point, with others helping him along the way, maybe he could have a series like Wiggins had where he could do things that were not scoring the basketball that, that impact winning. Do you think he has that in him? Well, Chris Black is Zach Levine one to conform to a championship team or a possible championship team and being the third or fourth option. Because hmm. that's what Wiggins is. You right. remember him of Minnesota, he was the one-two punch with Carl Anthony Towns. Yep. And so there's a lot of pressure on our losing team. There's no pressure for Wiggins knowing that he's got Steph Curry and he's got Klay Thompson around him. And of course, Klay was out, you know, for a couple of years with injury. But the point is, though, is that because of the system that Wiggins is in and the pressure it is being a warrior, it's like, okay, I can't be concerned with gummy worms and and uh, video games. I actually got to play basketball now, right? Because that was the accusation about Wiggins when he was in Minnesota. So the question is, and this is anywhere. Levine in Philly, Levine in Dallas, Levine in Miami, Levine with the Clippers. If he can conform to be just a sharpshooter and not be the reason to win a game, I'd say, yes, he can be a Wiggins type. Because that's really what this free agency is all about, isn't it? Do you want to lead the Chicago Bulls and be the man? Not DeRozan, not Vooten. He's the man. Right. If you Either you want to do that or do you want to be in a piece of a team and not the reason why you win? Can he do that here in Chicago? Well, well, there's no one else that can score more than him on a regular basis. Not the the charm DeRozan season this past year. No, I mean, who who else are you bringing in to be able to score more than Levine? Yeah, I, I don't think you'd be able to. Um, well, but isn't that not the question, though, Chris? You, you asked me, could he be a Wiggins type? And I am saying that 
based on some of the things that we read where he might be interested in L.A., might be interested someplace else, sure. he'd have to be the second or third banana. So if he's interested in those places, yeah, he could be Wiggins, sure, if that's what he wants to do. Or do you want the full boat or close to it and, and for you to be the reason why a team wins or loses, like Chicago? And, and that's where it's like, how does this team get better? And clearly they're, they're shopping multiple items. Uh, Kobe White, uh, maybe the first-round pick. Uh, Vooch, perhaps. Or... I'm saying like that. Those are those are the pieces that have been rumored to be available. Uh, I I don't know what you could necessarily get back with that stuff, but that that's what has been out there uh, reported that that could be available. So like clearly, there's going to be some kind of a shakeup. Um, I do. Do you feel like uh, Gobert would be an addition that this team would get to a different level than it is right now if they had Rudy Gobert? Absolutely worse. Yeah. Oh really, Rudy Gobert? No, that's not where the league is today, Chris. No. Well, they're they're twenty no. third in defense last year. You who the Bulls? Yeah. Well, you know, if so, it was, so if you if, it, if you if have, it well, if it wasn't for the Caruso injury, you know. Well, if you had Caruso, <laughs> but if you have Caruso, Ball, and yeah. Gobert, I would imagine you're now you're working with a top ten defensive unit. And yeah. at that point, how much better are you? Are you competing with Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn? I don't care about regular season wins, and that's what Gobert would bring you. So, okay, so you're top four in the East? Top yeah. five in the East? So, yeah. so with Gobert, you're better than Toronto? Are you better than Miami? Uh, no, you're not. Yeah, so like, no, I, don't, no, I don't think that gets it done then. I don't want Rudy Gobert with the Bulls. I do not. I just think as we all, as you and I both watch the league closely, we see that the league is getting shorter. Mm-hmm. And so you don't need this classic, you know, big man clogging up the middle and trying to block shots and try to be this defensive stalwart where you really need scoring. I just don't think you get that, especially in the league when you get to the postseason. I, I, and I don't want that salary at all. Uh, unless it, Here's the thing. Unless Utah's ready to take 80% of that salary, I don't want him here. I do not. The centers that I like now are the ones that stand out, like Bam Adebayo. You don't like Bam Adebayo? I like Bam. I I think Bam is just um, he's uh, he's obviously a better offensive player, but I, I I agree with you. I think that type of player as your defensive person, or even like someone like uh, Robert Williams or the Celtics, when healthy, like that's what you need. You don't need to pay whatever Gobert is getting paid to be that type of player. I think that those are the type of guys you can find who, yeah, you may have to spend a little on, but you don't have to spend, what is he going to make, like over 40 mil? Yeah. For the next, like, four or five years? For the next four years, Mm -hmm. here's how the contract breaks down. 38.1, 41, 43.8, and then 46.6. He'll be a free agent in 2027. No, I don't want that on the Bulls. If I'm a Bulls fan, I wouldn't want that. Now, again, it's a name, but all right, can you tell me that this guy can be able to battle Embiid and beat Embiid every, you know, every uh, postseason? Same thing with Bam Adebayo. You know, same thing with Giannis. I just, I just think this league now is about space. It's about shooting. It's about guys that can get to the basket and i think that that's what it's about i just think as the league gets shorter there's no need to be able to have some you know defensive star worth i kept hearing like mitchell robinson right if that's you know yeah. as a backup to vooch if that's you what you want to do i got no problem with that because i don't mind someone to come up the bench and be able to give you something around the rim as far as a defensive resistance but as far as it being in my lineup I just think you're getting diminishing returns with Gobert eventually. And if nothing else, I can't have that contract on my books because he's not worth it. Yeah, and you're, you're right. The assessment with Mitchell Robinson is not to come in and be a starter. Mm-hmm. You'd, you'd be a backup guy. Last year, uh, 72 games played, 8.5 points per game, 8.6 rebounds per. He's a defensive guy, a lob guy, uh, pick and roll dive guy. Uh, but he is not a, a full-time starter, I, I would not think. No. So, so for Bulls fans thinking that Mitchell Robinson is some kind of 
oh, get rid of Vooch so we can bring in Robinson. That's not how how it would happen. I would imagine you'd have both on the roster. Yeah, I just, I, you know, it sounds, you know, it sounds like, well, you're just settling if you're the Bulls from my standpoint. But you know, ultimately, Chris, you just get yourself a score or two. You got you, you got to get Kobe White out of here because that's just not – you got to get an upgrade there. I think Io can be able to be a better pro than Kobe, at least at this point in time. Hands down. And, and I know that, God almighty, there's so much pressure on Patrick Williams. My yeah. God. He gets one compliment from LeBron and he's, you know, James Worthy or whatever. And it's kind of like, okay, he's not even 21 yet. Like, I, I hope the best for Patrick Williams, but I feel like we are gassing his head up by just saying, you know, LeBron said he's got that Kawhi hands. And I was like, and that's cool, but I'm like, we haven't seen enough of his offensive prowess to know for sure that he's one of the pillars of the future Bulls. I don't know that. The hope is that he is, but... You know, scoring 20-plus points against the bench of Minnesota in the regular season doesn't tell me that that's the guy for sure for the future yet. You know who he needs to play like for this team for the, to get to the next level? It would be Wiggins. Sure. If Patrick Williams could play like Wiggins, that would be great. Mm-hmm. A guy who's out there rebounding, guarding the best uh, offensive player on defense, uh, making the right passes, hitting open shots. That's exactly what the Bulls need. So, when I say Boston or the field, you think... I go the field. You go Mil- Milwaukee yeah. or Miami? Uh, I also I, ran out of gas. Yeah, Milwaukee. I, I'd give you Philly, Milwaukee. Uh, I'm not going to totally count out Brooklyn for figuring it out at some point, but I, I think that's unlikely. I love the Philly pick. Boy, you you got something going here. You think they got some rabbit they're going to pull out of the hat? Well, also, I mean, if Gobert doesn't go to the Bulls, what if he goes to Atlanta? Is Atlanta a team that jumps up into that conversation then? Well, I don't want to see Trey in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, don't you? Yeah. I, don't you want to see him in the playoffs? Oh, yeah, yeah for I, sure. I agree. Got to uh, the conference finals two years ago. And listen to Chris Black blowing up the Utah Jazz. I guess, i tell you what, if They're Quinn done. Snyder leaves, then apparently something's going on there. They're done. Lame team. <laughs> what? What's that? Lame? Did you say lame team? Yeah, what lame. They're lame. All we heard about for two years, this group, oh, they're going to make a run, make a run. Here we go. Are they going to make a run? And then they don't do anything. Come on. Can I just make a, de- a declarative statement here? Sure. The declarative statement I will make on Fast Break is that no Mountain Time team will win the championship. <laughs> Ever? Ever. All right, I like that. <laughs> what, is, what is Phoenix in? What, what time zone are they in? Uh, they, are they Pacific? It, it goes back and forth, actually, depending on the seasons. Oh, they, they flop like uh, CP3. Oh, listen to that. Yes. And boy, can I just tell From you way something? Way downtown, bang! Can I just tell you something? As yep. much as I respect Monty Williams, is another thing from the from the postseason. You know what Phoenix is for me now? Huh. Gonzaga. You'll never win the championship. <laughs> I, I heard you say. First of all, I heard you say that to uh, uh, Snorling and to to Cap. Uh, <laughs> Yes. I, I I heard I heard you say that to them. Uh, yet was it yesterday? And it sounded like they were confused. You had the take ready to go. Uh, you had it fresh off of uh, March Madness. Yeah, and and it's like they they brought up uh, college basketball, and you gave them that Gonzaga take, <laughs> and and you could just hear that. All right. Love you. <laughs> like was not ready for it at all. And you here you come. You're firing off that that Mark Few and and the Zags will never win. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it brought it up. Oh, it's it just that bad segment we did about uh, a basketball game taking place on the air air yes. air uh, aircraft, aircraft carrier. carrier. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that with horrible wet, segment we with did with the wet court. Yeah, it because hor- it's moist. That was the worst segment we did this week. <laughs> oh, was it? Oh yes, it was horrible. I didn't think it was that bad. I was no. just I was just laughing because I knew I've. I've produced enough of your shows to know that, like, you had that thought back in March, <laughs> and and you just put it in the back pocket. And yeah. at some point, Zags basketball would come up, 
and you'd fire off that that thought, which is a fine thought. And they were not ready. <laughs> Mark Few. Mark Few might as well be coaching the Golden, the uh, Phoenix Suns because they'll never win the championship. I I'm, love that. I'm done with it now. I'm done. Like how many years with Chris Paul? Right. Like this. This is nonsense now. This is. This is. By the way, this is no shot. Devin Booker. Right. I don't know if Aiton. That's a big question mark in this free agency as well, what he, where he's going. Yeah, he, he um, could also be on the move to uh, Atlanta. I've seen rumors for that, too. Yeah, so I just, you know, the, the, so I am done with the Suns. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> I am done with the Suns. And so um, so I this, this offseason will be very interesting. Um, did you see the way-too-early look into the next season from ESPN.com? No, I didn't. I missed that today. Usually I get to it at some point. Uh, what does it say for next year? Well, I mean, it's way too early to the point where it's pretty much cut and paste. It's cut yeah. and paste. It's like that, you know, Golden State won Boston two, and it's kind of like, no, that's not, that's not yeah, happening. Boston's I, not Boston will be, not be there. They're yeah. not going to be number. Oh, what do they say about the? I see what I see now. What did what they say about LeBron? They loving LeBron again? Uh, no, they're you all about you, King James. No, you got to scroll down a little bit because it's Golden State won. The title odds are plus five hundred uh, for the twenty twenty three odds. Warriors, Celtics, Bucks three, Memphis four, hmm. Dallas five, Miami six, Suns seven, Clippers eight, Clippers, Denver nine, and Brooklyn ten. The Clippers are the uh, sleeping giant of this whole equation. They weren't really the team that they are last year. You know, Kawhi didn't play. Paul George was in and out of the lineup. If both of those guys play, I think uh, the Clippers are going to be a top three seed in the West. Mm-hmm. I, I could see the top three seeds in the West next season being Phoenix, Golden State, Clippers in some order. I'm not saying that that's the specific order, but those are the three teams. But what about Brooklyn? Brooklyn, what's the deal with Kyrie? Is he going to take this basketball thing seriously? Well, they're going to wait to see whether or not he's going to pick up his player option, or is he going to go in free agency? Oh, I hope he goes a free agency. That'd be awesome. Oh. That'd be awesome. I heard a couple of weeks ago the "What if Kyrie came to the Bulls?" Like, uh, like no, I don't want headaches, man. I don't want. If you're going to win and you fall short in the playoffs, I'd rather just do that than drama. Seriously. Yeah. I don't want interesting. I want good basketball. The only interesting thing I want for the teams is to see how the team projects, how the team gets better. Like Patrick Williams, as we talked about, and Ayo Desumu, and Lonzo to see if he's going to be healthy or not, and all that. I know the Bulls are a good enough team to be interesting on its own without having extra nonsense around it oh low blow espn they put the timberwolves ahead of the bulls oh man they did bulls are 13th in this list if you're listening and the <laughs> and the timberwolves are 12 Jeez. okay all right well you think you don't think minnesota is a better ball club than the bulls uh, yeah probably I was, <laughs> number six i'd probably put number 16 ahead of them too new orleans mm-hmm I don't know what Zion is. It doesn't. They were pretty good though without him. No, I, yeah, exactly. I'd and and the the record for for you know I I assume if you're listening to this podcast you've listened to our shows before and we we pointed it out uh, when we were hosting the show fast break during the season. Uh, the Pelicans started the season. I think it was like three and sixteen. That's correct. Uh, and from that point on, they played way above five hundred basketball. And that's how they made the playoffs, and that's how they uh, contended in the first round. So the Pelicans were not actually as bad as their record showed because they got off to such a terrible start. So I would not be surprised if the Pelicans, with or without Zion, were actually a little bit better next year. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. right. You're right. Minnesota, I, I like Minnesota. I, I think they're a good team. It's just... It's, it sucks to actually see that that's where they have the Bulls. Can we get Minnesota and Memphis in the playoffs next year, too? Holy cow. Yeah, that that, I think that'd be good. That's how we create rivalries, right? That's how you get must-see television. You need to pair up Minnesota and Memphis again. Uh, we need to see Philly go against uh, Brooklyn. Oh. We need that again uh, because Durant and Embiid dislike each other. Uh, I, I think we need to see... 
Uh, Memphis face off against Golden State again. I think that would be good for the league. Uh, mm-hmm. Boston and Milwaukee. There's a lot of good uh, possible rivalries brewing. Yeah, yeah. May- maybe the Bulls could win a game in the playoffs next year. <sighs> Who knows? Well, again, this is based on who's out there. Can I, I'll just call it out. Well, I'll say it now, but if I change my mind by the time we get to the uh, next season, then I'll, you know, I'll say so. But if you don't have something, Chris, in place to take up the slack for DeMar DeRozan's offense, that's going to be a problem because yep. I'm just here to tell you, like, DeMar DeRozan, the charm season he had, the MVP-like season he had at times, I'm not expecting all of that next year. No, I'm not either. Yeah, I'm not. This is not dissing him. I'm just saying I'm looking at age. The numbers he put up were amazing, and he was able to do that with players in and out of the lineup because of COVID. And I think that's great. But I but the Bulls should not be reliant on this these this great play by DeRozan to think, oh man, he's figured it out. Wait until next. Year. No, it doesn't work like that in the league. He'll have good numbers, but he can't be the reason why you win. It has to be multiple guys to be able to get that done on this Bulls team. I totally agree with you. They're going to need more scoring. They're going to need more three-point shooting, perimeter uh, defensive help. And then also, if they are going to move on from Vooch, you you also have to uh, replace his scoring. And I know that People are uh, down on, on Vucevic, but he he was a pretty good player uh, last season for the Bulls. So you're going to have to replace that, too. Okay. There, I don't – Sylvie getting on him I thought was unfair. Some Dar- meat. I really yeah. want some meat. Wow. That, oh, that could not have worked out perf- more perfectly. Uh, oh. For the record, that was not a radio drop that was edited. <laughs> I just clicked on the live feed. <laughs> And that's what you got. Oh, my God. How about that? <laughs> wow, what sure. a clean cut that well, was. That was, I'm going to try it one more time. There's. It will not be as good as that. When sportscaster in Chicago that never left Chicago. <laughs> Peggy. She's the best. She is. God, she was so good at the auction. How, wh- how about that clip? I just clicked on the live feed, and he's talking about me. With Peggy co-hosting. That's great. Mate, I really want to meet. Right? And Peggy's like, what? Oh, man. That's <laughs> great. That's so, that's so great. <laughs> so I don't know why she, why you brought that up, but all right. Oh, you were talking about Vooch. That's why I hit it. Yeah. I, I, oh, you, yes. you mentioned Vooch. You said Sylvie. So I hit on the live feed. In the live feed, you got meat. <laughs> he, he did mention that he was not a big Vooch fan. It's kind of like, okay. And there's some numbers that could back up his claim that Vucevic had some struggles, especially from the outside. But, again, this is – he's a good enough player in a Billy Donovan system to be able to give you a double-double every night. And that is good enough, especially if you have a backup that is the defensive player. Because we saw last year – the combination of Tristan Thompson and Vucevic at times, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. You also have to throw in the factor that they ran a lot of the offense through Vooch at the yeah. top of the arc. So if you remove him, how are you running this offense? Uh, I don't know. I, I also think like you can, in a vacuum, you can point to his numbers and say his numbers are, were bad. His production wasn't good. He he didn't hit three-point shots when he was open. I'll agree with all, all that. But I think bigger picture, if they don't make the trade for Vooch, I don't think you're getting DeRozan. And if you don't make the trade for Vooch, I don't think Lonzo Ball, the moment free agency began and there was tampering involved, was committed to signing with Chicago. Mm-hmm. Vooch, the, the trade to land Vooch set all of that in motion. If that didn't happen... The team didn't get to where they would be last year because I don't I don't think you get Ball. I don't think you get Caruso. I don't think you get DeRozan. Fair. So I, I think it's it's one of those things, like in my head, I can justify it and not be upset about it as a Bulls fan because I see the other benefits that came with it, even though he does need to be a better player. Yeah. I think, yep, and nothing wrong with that. 
Makes sense to me. All right, Jonathan. So I enjoyed the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm guessing we will uh, record another edition of this podcast after the NBA draft. There's going to be some extra content on here leading into the draft. Let's do it. And Oh, I think you should tell the listeners. Have Mm -hmm. you looked at the schedule on the NBA draft night? June 23rd, Thursday, the 23rd. Are you hosting the draft? No, we have White Sox baseball. Damn it. White Sox baseball. Uh, you're home for White Sox baseball. You have Eric Ostrowski, your, uh, your White Sox radio network executive producer, alongside Connor McKnight with the pregame show, Len Casper, Darren Jackson with the call of the game right so here there, on ESPN 1000. So there's a night game? Yeah. When the Sox – okay. Yeah. You know – can I just say this? I, I looked. I looked this up like two months ago. You know what? Can I just because, say something? Well, do, you, do you know what happened last year with, mm-hmm. with the draft night? So last year, Abdallah is off. He's on vacation. Yes. And so I go to management well ahead of time. Well ahead. You know how these things work, Jonathan. Oh yeah. Well ahead of time, I say, hey, the NBA draft is this night. It's a Thursday. Abdallah's out of town. Can Tyler Aki host with me? He's great on college basketball. I'll have all the angles with the NBA. He can fill in the spots when it comes to uh, what I'm missing as far as the players, what they did in the tournament, what took place in college basketball in the previous year. Great. So we're locked and loaded. We're set. We got here the day of the draft last summer. We're sitting here about to, uh, I think we were like two hours away from the start of the show, six o'clock, and the Cubs trade Anthony Rizzo. (laughs) <laughs> right. So, yeah. so we we have to scrap our preview portion of the six o'clock to seven o'clock oh. hour preview of the draft. That's the best, by the way. And That's take the best. full Rizzo calls right. from Cub fans. And then we had to point out though that pregame show is always the good. The pre- yeah, yeah, we get all the, the, the all the cuts, sound. all the oh. sound, all the great information, right? The best. And then at seven, the N- NBA draft starts, and we have a full phone bank of Cub calls who want to talk about Anthony Rizzo. So we're doing the half. We're doing NBA draft conversation here. The draft is going on live from Barclays Center. Half. So what do you think about Riz and the Cubs and they're breaking up this core that won a championship in 2016? <laughs> it ruined the draft night. <laughs> and now no draft. And that So it stuck with me. So uh, back in the spring, I looked ahead and, and I saw there will be a White Sox game uh, th- next Thursday night. Yeah. So no draft show. No draft show. Can I just say something? The... There, there was nothing in my way when I had to host a six-hour NBA uh, show. The White Sox host the Orioles. Seven mm-hmm. ten start. Where was that when I, when we were hosting the <laughs> seven hour telethon? When we were put on the air at six and told question mark, yes, six to question mark, yes. Sometimes past midnight, there was some six to twelve thirty in the morning shows uh-huh. there, or quarter to one because Pax hates me with limited commercial breaks. <laughs> yes, because and making us wait until the end of the night. By the way. We got to do the flagship, and we've we've got to do TV, and we got to do Telemundo. Oh yeah, ESPN One Thousand. Okay, now it's almost one o'clock in the morning. We're waiting for Pax to talk to Everyone us. Everyone else is wrapping up, packing up their stuff. <laughs> Camera guys are, are putting the cables away. We're sitting there. He finally sits down. God, God, those are fun. Well, you know what, Chris? If nothing else, we had a good time watching the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, you know, rise from the ashes and win the championship, but. As you mentioned in the previous fast break, the NBA playoffs has got to get better. Yeah. That was ugly. It really was. And we're both diehard NBA fans, love the league, but it's hard to defend some of the stuff we saw in the postseason where it's just like, un, you know, if we don't get it done the first half, that's all right. We got game two. We got game four. We got another life. Like, you can't play that way. It, you got to play harder. And you've got to be able to, and not take these games for granted in the playoffs. I don't like some of these teams and some of these players playing the percentages in the playoffs like, ah, we're down 10. I will see you next time. No. Yeah. I, I expect you to play hard because after all, it is the postseason. They're playing the percentages and just taking it for granted. That's what we saw in the playoffs. Now, if that's what it's going to be, that's not going to be good for the league because if you're not seeing teams play hard, 
and and try to take the leads in some of these games and do what they got to do to get it done. If they don't play at a different level than what we saw in January, that's not good. Hey, give credit to Boston last night for not getting blown out by 30. Sure. At least they hung around and made it a little interesting, only down 10 for most of the fourth quarter. But you're right. If this game was game three or this game was in a previous series, they, they would have rolled over and the game would have been a 40-point blowout. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, but we saw some of that in the playoffs, though. And yeah. in both conferences. Yeah, we definitely where, did. But it's like, ah, yeah, we just don't have this night. We'll get it later. No, nah, no. that I will not accept that. In the, yeah, I'll expect, accept that in the regular season. I will not accept that in the postseason. Listen to Jonathan, Cap, and Jay Hood every weekday morning, our new morning show here at ESPN 1000. Still new. 7 to 10 a.m. Yeah. right here on ESPN. You know, every time I say that, the Twitch people, uh, they're always like, why are you saying it's a new morning show? They've been here for almost two years. Because it's what the, the, the marketing is. It's our new morning show. I listen to the Stingers. If you listen to the first time, it's new to you. Yeah, well, there you go. Boom. Cap'n J. Hood, weekday mornings, 7 to 10, right here on ESPN 1000. You'll hear me with uh, Adam Abdallah, Black and Abdallah, weeknights, 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000, unless we have White Sox baseball. Until the next edition of the Fast Break podcast, Jonathan, I'll talk to you later, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. All right, we'll get ready for the NBA draft, and uh, we look forward to breaking it down, see how the new players coming into the draft, how they fit into the NBA. So thanks for listening, everybody, and so long from Fast Break.